Chapter Two of How to Camp Out. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Sarah Jennings. How to Camp Out by John M. Gould. Chapter Two Small Parties Traveling Afoot and Camping. We will consider separately the many ways in which a party can spend a summer vacation. And first we will start into wild and uninhabited regions afoot, carrying on our backs blankets, a tent, frying pan, food, and even a shotgun and fishing tackle. This is very hard work for a young man to follow daily for any length of time. And although it sounds romantic, yet let no party of young people think they can find pleasure in it for many days. For if they meet with a reverse, have much rainy weather, or lose their way, someone will almost surely be taken sick, and all sport will end. If you have a mountain to climb, or a short trip of only a day or two, I would not discourage you from going in this way. But for any extended tour it is too severe a strain upon the physical powers of one not accustomed to similar hard work. Afoot, Camping Out a second and more rational way, especially for small parties, is that of traveling afoot in the roads of a settled country, carrying a blanket, tent, food, and cooking utensils, cooking your meals and doing all the work yourselves. If you do not care to travel fast, to go far, or to spend much money, this is a fine way. But let me caution you first of all about overloading, for this is the most natural thing to do. It is the tendency of human nature to accumulate and you will continually pick up things on your route that you will wish to take along, and it will require your best judgment to start with the least amount of luggage, and to keep from adding to it. You have probably read that a soldier carries a musket, cartridges, blanket, overcoat, rations, and other things weighing forty or fifty pounds. You will therefore say to yourself, I can carry twenty. Take twenty pounds, then, and carry it around for an hour, and see how you like it. Very few young men who read this book will find it possible to enjoy themselves and carry more than 20 pounds, a greater distance than 10 miles a day, for a week. To carry even the 20 pounds 10 miles a day is hard work to many, although every summer there are parties who do their 15, 20, and more miles daily with big knapsacks on their backs, but it is neither wise, pleasant, nor healthful to the average young man to do this. Let us cut down our burden to the minimum. And see how much it will be. First of all, you must take a rubber blanket or a light rubber coat, something that will surely shed water and keep out the dampness of the earth when slept on. You must have something of this sort, whether afoot, horseback, with a wagon, or in permanent camp. For carrying your baggage, you will perhaps prefer a knapsack, although many old soldiers are not partial to that article. There are also for sale broad straps and other devices as substitutes for the knapsack. Whatever you take, be sure it has broad straps to go over your shoulders, otherwise you will be constantly annoyed from their cutting and chafing you. You can dispense with the knapsack altogether in the same way that soldiers do, by rolling up in your blanket whatever you have to carry. You will need to take some pains in this, and perhaps call a comrade to assist you. Lay out the blanket flat and roll it as tightly as possible without folding it and closing the other baggage as you roll. Then tie it in a number of places to prevent unrolling and the shifting about of things inside. Finally tie or strap together the two ends, 
and throw the ring thus made over the shoulder, and wear it as you do the strap of the haversack, diagonally across the body. The advantages of the roll over the knapsack are important. You save two and a half pounds weight. The roll is much easier to the shoulder, and is easier shifted from one shoulder to the other, or taken off, and you can ease the burden a little with your hands. It feels bulky at first, but you soon become used to it. On the whole, you will probably prefer the roll to the knapsack, but if you carry much weight, you will very soon condemn whatever way you carry it, and wish for a change. A haversack is almost indispensable in all pedestrian tours. Even if you have your baggage in a wagon, it is best to wear one, or some sort of a small bag furnished with shoulder straps, so that you can carry a lunch, writing materials, guidebook, and such other small articles as you constantly need. You can buy a haversack at the stores where sportsmen's outfits are sold, or you can make one of enamel cloth or rubber drilling, say eleven inches deep by nine wide, with a strap of the same material neatly doubled and sewed together, forty to forty-five inches long, and one and three-quarters inches wide. Cut the back piece about nineteen inches long, so as to allow for a flap eight inches long to fold over the top and down the front. Sew the strap on the upper corners of the back piece, having first sewed a facing inside, to prevent its tearing out the back. Woolen Blanket Next in the order of necessities is a woolen blanket, a good stout one, rather than the light or flimsy one that you may think of taking. In almost all of the northern states the summer nights are apt to be chilly, while in the mountainous regions and at the seaside they are often fairly cold. A lining of cotton drilling will perhaps make a thin blanket serviceable. This lining does not need to be quite as long nor as wide as the blanket, since the ends and edges of the blanket are used to tuck under the sleeper. One side of the lining should be sewed to the blanket, and the other side and the ends buttoned, or you may leave off the end buttons. You can thus dry it, when wet, better than if it were sewed all around. You can lay what spare clothing you have, and your day clothes, between the lining and the blanket, when the night is very cold. In almost any event you will want to carry a spare shirt, and in cold weather you can put this on, when you will find that a pound of shirt is as warm as two pounds of overcoat. If you take all I advise, you will not absolutely need an overcoat, and can thus save carrying a number of pounds. The tent question we will discuss elsewhere, but you can hardly do with less than a piece of shelter tent. If you have a larger kind, the man who carries it must have someone to assist him in carrying his own stuff, so that the burden may be equalized. If you take tent poles, they will vex you sorely, and tempt you to throw them away. If you do not carry them, you will wonder when night comes why you did not take them. If your tent is not large, so that you can use light ash poles, I would at least start with them, unless the tent is a shelter, as poles for this can be easily cut. You will have to carry a hatchet, and the kind known as the axe-pattern hatchet is better than the shingling hatchet for driving tent-pins. I may as well caution you here not to try to drive tent-pins with the flat side of the axe or hatchet, for it generally ends in breaking the handle, quite an accident when away from home. For cooking utensils on a trip like that we are now proposing, you will do well to content yourself with a frying-pan, coffee-pot, and perhaps a tin pail. You can do wonders at cooking with these. We will consider the matter of cooking and food elsewhere, but the main thing now is to know beforehand where you are going, 
and to learn if there are houses and shops on the route. Of course you must have food, but if you have to carry three or four days' rations in your haversack, I fear that many of my young friends will fail to see the pleasure of their trip. Yet carry them if you must. Do not risk starvation, whatever you do. Also remember to always have something in your haversack, no matter how easy it is to buy what you want. I have now enumerated the principal articles of weight that a party must take on a walking tour when they camp out and cook as they go. If your trip is made early or late in the season, you must take more clothing. If you are gunning, your gun, etc., adds still more weight. Everyone will carry towel, soap, comb, and toothbrush. Then there is a match safe, which should be airtight or the matches will soon spoil, a box of salve, the knives, fork, spoon, dipper, portfolio, paper, testament, etc. Every man also has something in particular that he wouldn't be without for anything. There should also be in every party a clothes brush, mosquito netting, strings, compass, songbook, guidebook, and maps, which should be company property. I have supposed everyone to be dressed about as usual and have made allowance only for extra weight, viz. rubber blanket, two and a half pounds, stout woolen blanket and lining, four and a half pounds, knapsack, haversack, and canteen, four pounds, drawers, spare shirt, socks, and collars, two pounds, half a shelter tent and ropes, two pounds, toilet articles, stationery and small wares, two pounds, food for one day, three pounds, total, twenty pounds. You may be able to reduce the weight here given by taking a lighter blanket and no knapsack or canteen, but most likely the food that you actually put in your haversack will weigh more than three pounds. You must also carry your share of the following things. Frying pan, coffee pot, and pail, three pounds. Hatchet, sheath knife, case, and belt, three pounds. Company property named on last page, three pounds. Then, if you carry a heavier kind of tent than the shelter, or carry tent poles, you must add still more. Allow also nearly three pounds a day per man for food, if you carry more than enough for one day. And remember that when tents, blankets, and clothes get wet, it adds about a quarter to their weight. You see, therefore, that you have the prospect of hard work. I do not wish to discourage you from going in this way. On the contrary, there is a great deal of pleasure to be had by doing so. But the majority of men under twenty years of age will find no pleasure in carrying so much weight more than ten miles a day, and if a party of them succeed in doing so, and in attending to all of the necessary work, without being worse for it, they will be fortunate. In conclusion, then, if you walk and carry all your stuff, camping and doing all your work and cooking as you go, you should travel but few miles a day, or better still, should have many days where you do not move your camp at all. Other Ways of Going Afoot It is not necessary to say much about the other ways of going afoot. If you can safely dispense with cooking and carrying food, much will be gained for travel and observation. The expenses, however, will be largely increased. If you can also dispense with camping, you ought then to be able to walk 15 or 20 miles daily, and do a good deal of sightseeing besides. You should be in practice, however, to do this. You must know beforehand about your route, and whether the country is settled where you are going. Keep in mind when you are making plans that it is easier for one or two to get accommodation at the farmhouses than for a larger party. I heard once of two fellows who, 
to avoid buying and carrying a tent, slept on haymows, usually without permission. It looks to me as if those young men were candidates for the penitentiary. If you cannot travel honorably and without begging, I should advise you to stay at home. End of chapter 2